It is Tuesday, July 9th. Welcome back for another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith, your host, uh, joined by Pastor Daniel Yelverton and Michael Miller. And it's just the three of us this week, so hopefully you like that because that's what you're getting. <laughs> um, <laughs> isn't that like the usual dose? Like this isn't like a... <laughs> yeah, well, we had guests there for a little while when we came back yeah. from kind of our break. That so. is true. Uh, so anyway, guys, today we are Stuck on with First Thessalonians 3. And uh, we had a good time trying to figure out exactly how to say the city that this <laughs> yeah. happens in today because um, I was listening to the Bible Project as a little bit of context and prep for the for the podcast this week, and I noticed that they were calling it Thessalonica, and around here we've always called it Thessalonica. Right. And then Michael, what do they say in England? How do they call it? Uh, Thessalonica. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then add, Michael, add the random use to everything, right? Color and savior. Yeah. yeah they just mess it all up. <laughs> yeah. Color. Then, well, then I, then I had <laughs> yeah. like, all right, I got to figure out what this actually is. So, you know, the Google... we love our British listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Good day. It's the wrong country. <laughs> Australian in there too. A little shrimp on the barbie. Is that top, of the mor- top of the morning to you. There you go. Wow, I don't even know where to go from all Man. that. No, but you were. I was going to ask our you. accents. <laughs> no, I remember the uh, I, I had to look it up because because I'm like, all right, what is this for real? So I, I looked at the Google machine, which has all the, the answers. Google machine. You know. Wow. Uh, yeah, and and the Google machine said it was like. Thessaloniki, because like the actual city in Greece, that's just wrong. There's no A; it's I at the end. Thessaloniki, <laughs> Thessaloniki, and it's the same city. And so you can guys go check out Wikipedia and find out all kinds of fantastic, wonderful facts about the place. <laughs> I suggested though it is a pretty cool city, so so you know check it out. Yeah, what did you say? It's like the the best place for street yeah, photography like, in all of Greece. Like or several like that? several different street magazines. Photography. Is that yeah, what you said? yeah, oh. for, yeah. It's like the most popular. Yeah, what is that like a bunch culture, of geez. yeah what is that like a bunch of selfies or something like that i'm just trying to figure out what street <laughs> photography is no, i don't know i'm sure it's like pictures of like the uh, street shops you know well, it's and it's uh, a major and cafes and bistros and all that kind it's of stuff. a major tourist attraction in europe so i i'd imagine it's probably a really beautiful place i'm so sorry i'm not cultured enough to know what street <laughs> photography is I just thought he's, when you take pictures thinking, of stuff, it's called photography. I didn't know like was photography like, of the streets. They just <laughs> point the camera down and take pictures while they're yeah. walking down the street. These are the greatest cobbled stones I've ever seen. <laughs> Daniel. Yeah. Dear eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. It's blessed, Daniel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pray for us. Please bring him some culture for Christmas. I know. It's no. serious. <laughs> um, talking about cobble. Streets. This is way off topic, but we went uh, a couple we weeks ago here, on vacation. Right? One of the times that we didn't do a podcast was because my wife and I and our kids were on vacation, and we went to South Carolina to see my family, and they live in Charleston, where we were the the most time. We saw some other family in Spartanburg too, but um, if you've never been to downtown Charleston, it's amazing. Yeah, like American historical, like really really cool stuff, and. The, like they still have some of the original cobblestone streets and stuff in. So like we're walking down the street, twisting our ankles on these cobblestones. But we were like, this is amazing. Like George Washington or somebody could have walked the on these same yeah. cobblestones, you know, like. So it was really cool to see. It's uh, like a glass half full kind of thing. Like you're twisting your ankle, but you're like, this is I'm so happy. Yeah, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> George Washington probably twisted his ankle here, too. <laughs> so much history. So and that's many, why I didn't so have much history teeth. and injuries. <laughs> that's why he didn't have any. Teeth. Yeah, he busted his mouth on the cobblestone. Falling down now on the know. cobblestone streets. <laughs> 
Oh, All right. man. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for that tangent. So anyway, today we are on 1 Thessalonians 3. I thought that the Bible project for this week for the, the setting up context was really, really cool, even mm-hmm. though they say Thessalonica. Um, <laughs> so I want to um, let that do our context for us this week, and then we'll come back just for a quick second, and I'll introduce, and we'll have our uh, Dwell app read our scripture for us, and then we'll get in our conversation. So, yeah, so we're not doing anything. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's work-free. <laughs> So here is the Bible project with a um, setup for 1 Thessalonians. Here we go. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. This is most likely the earliest letter that we have from Paul, and the backstory for it is found in the book of Acts. It's where Paul and his co-worker Silas went to the ancient Greek city of Thessalonica. And after just one month of telling people the good news about Jesus, a large number of Jewish and Greek people gave their allegiance to Jesus, and they formed the first church community there. But trouble was brewing. Paul's announcement of the risen Jesus as the true Lord of the world, it led to suspicion. So the Christians in Thessalonica were eventually accused of defying Caesar, the Roman emperor, when they said that there is another king, Jesus. And this led to a persecution that got so intense, Paul and Silas actually had to flee from the city. And this was painful for them because they loved the people there so much. And so this letter is Paul's attempt to reconnect with the Christians in Thessalonica after he got a report from Timothy that they were doing more than okay, they were flourishing despite this intense persecution. He designed the letter to have two main movements. First is a celebration of their faithfulness to Jesus, and then he challenges them to keep growing as followers of Jesus. And then these two movements are surrounded by three prayers. The letter opens with a thanksgiving prayer. The two movements are linked together by a transitional prayer. And then the whole thing is concluded with a final prayer. It's a beautiful design. Paul opens by giving thanks and celebrating the Thessalonians' faith, their love for others, and their hope in Jesus despite persecution. He goes on to retell the story of their conversion, how they used to be idolatrous polytheists, and they were living in a culture where all of life was permeated by institutions and practices that honored the Greek and Roman gods. And Paul talks about how they turned away from those idols to serve the living and true God, and that they're now waiting for the coming of God's Son from heaven. So in a city like Thessalonica, transferring your allegiance to the creator God of Israel and to King Jesus, this came at a cost. Isolation from your neighbors, hostility from your family. But for the Thessalonians, the overwhelming love of Jesus who died for them and the hope of his return, it made it all worth it. Paul then retells the story of his mission in Thessalonica and of the dear friendships he formed with the people. He uses really intimate metaphors here. They treated him like their child, and he became like their mother and like their father. He says, we were happy to share with you not only the good news from God, but our very selves, because we came to dearly love you. Paul reminds us here that the essence of Christian leadership is not about power and having influence. It's about healthy relationships and humble, loving service. He reminds them that he never asked for money. He simply came to love and serve them in the name of Jesus. And so Paul moves on to reflect on their common persecution. Just like Jesus was rejected and killed by his own people, so now Paul is persecuted by his fellow Jews, and the Thessalonians are facing hostility from their Greek neighbors. And Paul draws a strange comfort from knowing that together their sufferings are a way of participating in the story of Jesus' own life and death. 
Paul then shares about the anguish he experienced when he heard of the hardships the Thessalonians had after he and Silas fled. So he sent Timothy to support them and see how they were doing. And to his joy, Timothy discovered that they were going strong. They were faithful to Jesus. They were full of love for God and their neighbors. And they longed to see Paul as much as he longed to see them. And so Paul concludes with a prayer for endurance. And what's cool is that he introduces here the topics he's going to address in the letter's second half. He prays that God will grow their capacity to love, that he'll strengthen their commitment to holiness as they fix their hope on the return of King Jesus. So he opens the letter's second movement by challenging them to a life that's consistent with the teachings of Jesus. So this means, first of all, a serious commitment to holiness and sexual purity. In contrast to the promiscuous, sexually destructive culture around them, they are to follow Jesus' teaching about experiencing the beauty and the power of sex within the haven of a committed marriage covenant relationship. God takes sexual misbehavior seriously, Paul says. It dishonors and destroys people and their dignity. Following Jesus also means a commitment to loving and serving others. So Paul instructs them that Christians should be known in the city as reliable people who work really hard, not just to make money, but so that they can have resources to provide for themselves and to generously share with people who are in need. After this, Paul addresses a number of questions the Thessalonians had raised about the future hope of Jesus' return. So some Christians in the church had recently died, most likely killed as martyrs, and their friends and family are wondering about their fate when Jesus returns. And so Paul makes it clear that despite their grief and loss, not even death can separate Christians from the love of Jesus. When he returns as king, he will call both the living and the dead to himself. And Paul uses a really cool image here. He uses language that would normally describe how a city subject to the Roman Caesar would send out a delegation to welcome or meet his arrival. Paul then applies this imagery to the arrival of King Jesus. He too will be greeted by a delegation of his people who will go to meet the Lord in the air as they welcome and escort him back to this world where he'll establish his kingdom of justice and peace. Paul then wants the Thessalonians to see how this hope should motivate faithfulness to Jesus. So he pokes fun at the famous Roman propaganda that it's Caesar who brings peace and security. Of course, Rome's peace came through violence, through enslaving their enemies and military occupation. And Paul warns that Jesus will return as king one day and confront this kind of injustice. Followers of King Jesus should live in the present as if that future day is already here. Despite the nighttime of human evil around them, they should stay sober and awake as the light of God's kingdom dawns here on earth as it is in heaven. Paul closes all of these exhortations like he began with a hopeful prayer, that God would permeate their lives with his holiness, that he would set them apart to be completely devoted and blameless until the return of King Jesus. 1 Thessalonians reminds us that from the very beginning, following Jesus as king has produced a truly countercultural or holy way of life. And this will sometimes generate suspicion and conflict among our neighbors. But the response of Jesus' followers to such hostility should always be love, meeting opposition with grace and generosity. And this way of life, it's motivated by hope in the coming kingdom of Jesus that has already begun in his resurrection from the dead. And so holiness, love, and future hope, that's what 1 Thessalonians is all about. All right, so that set up um, 
gave us our context for the book of First Thessalonians. And so our reading for today for First Thessalonians 3 uh, from the Dwell app is coming up right now. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? As we pray, most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. We're recording right now. Oh, we are? Oh, it's awesome. (laughs) Where was the cue? Yeah. (laughs) Just making noise. And we're back. No, you should really keep that in. <laughs> Do the pause and we're back kind of thing, so the uh, listeners can know that this is what we have to deal with on a regular basis. Well, if we do Facebook Live, that's what we're going to get. It is well, true. We should have done Facebook Live because you would have seen Michael hit his head against the oh, uh, yes. electrical equipment here. Yes, he's fine, everyone. He's fine. Yeah, but it was beautiful. It was is highly hilarious. <laughs> he laughed so hard. He threw his head back and yes. headbutted our uh, electrical equipment that we have here. Uh, all right. I, I'm not laughing. It's not funny. Guys. Yeah. He's got a concussion. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, that's so, why he's not laughing. You forgot yeah, I know. How. He, yeah. He's just drooling right now. Let's just see how things turn out here. <laughs> okay. Back to 1 Thessalonians 3. Um, thank you for sticking with us, everybody. Uh, so, guys, that is our context and our reading for today, our chapter of the day. What do you guys want to get to first? Well, I'll throw something out there. I thought that was interesting. Um, 
how Paul, you know, you know, Paul obviously knows these guys, right? And he's, he wants to kind of check up on them. Mm-hmm. So he sends his buddy Timothy to go check on them, check up on them. And like, I was thinking, I guess this goes like the first comment directly into, uh, into context and, and application, uh, I guess, uh, on accident, right? But what would happen in like our church here or like whoever's listening in like your church if someone sent someone else to like check up on you? You know, like, so, like, so catch what's happening here. You know, Timothy is sent to go check up and see how things are going at this church. And, and basically Timothy gives Paul a report mm-hmm. and Paul's actually pretty, pretty pleased with the report. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool because a lot of times when Paul's talking about these things, he's not exactly pleased with the reports that he gets, <laughs> but here he is. So like, what would it look like if, if someone did a report on Elevation Community Church? And what would they find? And, and, you know, listeners, what would people find if they did a report on your church? Yeah. And, and then, and so that's easy when we hear things like that, because we're like, well, all these other people at the church are so terrible, right? It's all them. Mm-hmm. But what would happen if someone did a report on you and your spiritual life and, and how you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I guess what, what happened to me as I read this is I, is I wanted to take like a kind of a personal inventory, like a check on, on how am I doing? You know, that's just, that's just what sprung to mind as I, as I read this is, mm-hmm. is kind of like the fact that Timothy was sent and we got, you know, a check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's kind of cool. Um, in a way we have this from time to time because, um, as you guys know, uh, the pastor that started this church, um, Craig, Craig Nisley, mm-hmm. he ended up leaving uh, to start another church, he felt called to go make another church plant, and he actually comes back from time to time to like check up on us and yeah. stuff. So it's kind of cool to see mm-hmm. see that to see that he's pleased that we're continuing to grow and that good things are happening in this church. So it's really kind of cool to see. That's the first thing I thought of when you said about what if somebody came and checked up on yeah. us as a mm-hmm. church. Kind of we kind of do have that. So it is kind of see cool to see when he's pleased when yeah. he comes back. Yeah. Well, and I think you you want to. I think part of you, you invest, you know, you're investing when you plan a church or when you're involved in a church community and you're putting effort into that and you want to see it grow. You want to see the time and effort that you put into it to see it flourish because not only because of your own effort, but also because you know that that's going to be really beneficial for the church. And, and so we do, we do get that with, with Craig. And, and I think that also it's not, I don't think Paul's like trying to micromanage here. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's not like sending Timothy to kind of make sure like to be his like policeman. I think that in the context you have, um, the people in Thessalonica, Nica, whatever we're going Nike, here. Nike. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, you have them going through a lot of persecution, a lot of suffering. Yeah. And I think that there's a genuine concern from Paul that sure. he hears all the sufferings going on and he's just like, man, I really hope that the church is even there. Right. Like, right yeah. They're still like doing well. I mean, are they being crushed? Are they being like, how, what is, what is happening? And I think it's because his language is that of a parent, you know, he always talks like he refers to like the, as his children, as he's kind of like their parent, like there's this family kind of relationship that he has with this church and with the church, the, this church has planted. And so I think that it's out of genuine concern and, and affection and desire that they didn't get like completely just distraught or overwhelmed. It's kind of like, if like I see something happening to my son Judah, you know, and 
I and I see him kind of get dejected or rejected or something like that or something like I want to code to him and I want to talk to him. I want to console him. I want to work through through work through the issue together. And I think it's something kind of similar to that, even though Paul is not actually able to be there. He, as he so he sends Timothy, but it's not more like he's delegating Timothy for this like menial task. It's really that he really wants to see that this. Uh, and so I think it is as more of for me, it. It gives a unique perspective in that churches are not churches in isolation. Mm-hmm. You know that the church is a global church, yep. and that there needs, there should be a genuine concern for other churches. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can, um, you know, you can hear stuff about different pastors and different churches and different church movements that you may not, people may not agree with, you know, or have certain bents on different things. And I, I hope that in my, so I've. I've this is weird. I'm setting this up poorly, but I had a conversation and uh, with somebody that was basically kind of bad mouthing another church, and because of some of the choices that the lead pastor made, um, and whatever. I mean, like some guys don't always make the best choices. Some guys use their money to buy bigger houses than people would, you know, whatever. Sure. And so, um, but it was, but he was so. It was more of a negative connotation to the church and to the church movement. And I'm like, man, like. Yeah, I hope that church is just reaching people for Jesus and discipling people and that they're spreading the gospel in their area and in their community. Yeah. And and so I think there's a genuine welfare that we should be having for the churches, the global church and the churches around us that we should just be, you know, concerned or care about. And uh, Paul always he'll say this in a lot of his letters, he'll tell you like pray for, like he says it in Ephesians, he says pray for the saints in all occasions. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times we'll we'll pick out what's negative or we'll pick out like something that we don't just we disagree with. And so then we'll just kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater and be like that whole like church is, you know, full of a bunch of people and they're all like going in the wrong direction or whatever. And there are some church movements that are heretical and sure. you know, that's, those are, those are other things. I'm just talking about like, you know, maybe you, you, this, this church worships, worships different than you do, or, you know, maybe this church is bigger and they're able to afford the staff or whatever it is, you know? And so like, but you know, I think we need to be concerned for and general, generally, uh, encouraging the other churches that are around us because of the global body needs to be unified, you yeah. know? And, and so, uh, I think of this as really more of a practice in, in unity and encouragement than necessarily like a micromanaging kind of thing from Paul, because it could be, cons- per- I, I could perceive it that way. Like I could see that Paul's really just getting all in like Thessalonica's business, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, but I think really that what he is, what he's doing is he's doing it out of genuine concern because of the, the way he talks about them with such yeah. affection. Yeah, you know? and, and he had to leave because of such persecution happening there. Yeah. And you have to remember, too, Timothy is like his spiritual son, so he sends like his number one to go to this place to check in because he can't go, so he's going in his stead. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel like it's much more of like a, almost like a worry and a concern thing. Like, I know what was happening there when I had to leave, so I'm checking in just hoping that you guys are okay. Yeah. And I think you hit on something important, Brent, is that who he sends. Yeah. He sends someone he trusts. And again, applying that to us, <laughs> like as Daniel was talking about how we tend to judge other churches, like, so who do we send to get information? You know, we we tend to look at Facebook. Some random and, person's like critique on the internet, right? <laughs> right. Oh my goodness, that so, church is terrible. So, <laughs> yeah. and, what, and what we tend to see with the, the news, any place that you get news, it's, I mean, let's be honest, most places... Or it's it's for profit, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's the negative stories that everybody's drawn to. 
So you're not going to hear a bunch of good reports about, you know, churches. Yeah. Because the negative stories are the ones that sell. So we'll just drop a name that, that people tend to criticize, right? And I'm not the biggest fan, but let's go there for a moment. Joel Olstein, mm-hmm. right? Because we hear a lot of negative reports. We see big pictures of his house. You know, we, we see like how much money he's worth and all these things. And, and, and that's the news story. Mm-hmm. But what people don't realize is he donates 100% of his personal, like like his salary from the church. Mm-hmm. This huge church in this huge house that doesn't go to Joel Olstein's pocket. Mm-hmm. He's made his money from book sales. Yeah. Now, no one judges James Patterson for writing all these books right. and making money from all the books. But people will judge Joel Olstein because of all the money that he makes. Now, I'm not here to argue about how a Christian should live. That's not the point. But my point here is simply that sometimes we don't see the full picture because we hear the negative side of the news. Yeah. So there are there are always two sides to every story, and I'm glad that that Paul had the responsibility to to go find the truth of what was happening in Thessalonica. Yeah. Who who knows what kind of reports he was getting from um, you know unsubstantiated sources, you know, right. and getting part in parts of the picture. He sends someone he trusts, he does his homework, gets the right information, and then when he synthesizes this information here, he's like, "Oh, wow, things are going good." Mm-hmm. You know, he could have had a completely opposite view if he hadn't sent Timothy. Yeah. And it, especially with our faith, with Christianity, you have to Go see with your own eyes because it's not of the world. And there are so many people, and the enemy is constantly attacking the church and trying to find ways to hurt the church. And what's he going to do? What's one of his biggest tactics? Spreading lies and rumors that if people don't check out and substantiate it with their own eyes, people are going to believe it. And one thing, this this can be a good teaching point for anybody who's listening that doesn't know already, but Michael's absolutely right about bad news spreading faster than, than good news. Or not even faster, but... Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but more effectively, I sure. guess. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I was taught because of the music stuff that I did for a long time as an artist, I was taught never treat anybody badly because as soon as you do, if you do something amazingly good, one or two people will go tell somebody else about it. And then those people might tell somebody else about it. But if you do one bad thing, 10 people are going to go tell 10 other people and they're going to tell other people. And it just spreads so quickly and it's just counterproductive to any kind of a thing that you're trying to build or do. So, um, yeah, just know that if you're ever hearing anything bad before you believe it, try to find out with your own eyes if you can, because more than likely it's not going to be exactly how you think it is. And Facebook is terrible for that, man. Like people just go on rants on Facebook and almost nothing's based on facts anymore. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just just find out with your own eyes and um and seek trustworthy advice on those things before you before you believe it and especially before you start spreading it yourself. And I think um one thing that we can do since there's so much division and disunity just in our culture, in our world is that when we are confronted with something like this, like maybe some negative news or something like that, um what do we do with it? You know, what do we how do we process it? What's what's maybe a, a good way to work through it? And even though Paul's not getting negative news here, I think what's really great here in verse 10 is, is Paul's kind of um, his action steps when it comes to his dealing with the Thessalonite, Thess, shoot, <laughs> the Thessalonians. There you go. There he is. One Thessalonians three. Um, and so this is the, what he does in response uh, is he prays. He's been praying for them day and night. And, and I think that 
um, what we do with negative news, what we do with good news. You know, what's our response, especially when we're not able to be there to participate, to either lend a helping hand, to be an encourager, is is the prayer, is prayer life, is is taking our, is interceding um, to Jesus, uh, through Jesus, to God, on behalf of whatever's going on, whatever church movement it is, whatever we're hearing. And I'm not, I mean, it's hard. I, I know that that's not my first response when I hear mm-hmm. negative news or even, you know, when I hear good news sometimes, it's just, just kind of is pray, you know, to pray and to either thank God or pray and to intercede. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so often we just, since we're so limited in being physical beings and we can only be one place at one time, you know, I mean, we can be multiple places, I guess, with the internet. But, um, but still, uh, like we still... We can't actually participate in physically helping people, you know, uh, and so maybe this is the opportunity that we can take like something from Paul and say, all right, well, if I can't be there to encourage, if I can't be there to help, you know, walk somebody through this hard time, I can't be there to hopefully like turn people to the Holy Spirit if they are like heading in a wrong direction instead of maybe just spreading more news or being really negative about it or just kind of, you know, pouring more gasoline on the fire. Why not pray? Why not pray about what is going on and what what are the things that are concerning you? What are the things that are burdening you? What are the things that are frustrating you? Pray about it. And Paul does it in a repetition, you know, day and night. He was praying for them. And so I think that that's, uh, for me, not my first response. And this kind of, that part really challenged me when I read this because Paul is genuinely concerned for the welfare. He's not just, you know, checking up on them. He's not like seeing like, you know, you know, 10 Thessalonians, you know, deny their faith in some like clickbait kind of thing. You know, (laughs) he's just like, he's just praying for them, you know? And so, um, I think that that is, uh, that to me is really important because it's so easy to just kind of go down the negative route and go down the route of slander and go down the route of cutting people down when really, you know, our role, especially to the believer is to be encouragers and to Mm -hmm. be bearers of burdens. And I mean, those are commands that we get from Paul through the Holy Spirit that fills the command of Jesus, meaning love others the way that Jesus loved us, is to encourage people and to bear one of their bear one of those burdens. Yeah. And and another thing with the prayer is as this chapter concludes, not only does he say that he's praying, Paul writes down a prayer. Mm-hmm. Now, how encouraging would this be if if you were a Thessalonian, hmm. as we giggle with that word, right? But if you were a Thessalonian and you have this letter written to you and you see this encouraging prayer of Paul. Now, Paul could have just said prayers. <laughs> or he could have said, praying for you. Prayer yeah. emoji. Yes, yeah. the hands emoji. And yeah. I'm not saying that that's bad. Don't hear me the wrong way. But um, I think it's really encouraging that, that Paul writes down this prayer. And since we have talked a lot so far about you know Facebook and, and news and social media, there's nothing wrong with writing down a prayer. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with if... This is something that I've I've tried to do. I've pulled back from Facebook a lot more, and, and I, I say this every podcast, but it really is. I've been pulling away more and more and more. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's a good idea if someone's on Facebook and they're saying, "Hey, you know, this thing is happening. Could you all pray for me?" And as you're going through scrolling through prayers, 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 foldy emoji, you know, hand folded emoji, whatever, you know, prayers, prayers, prayers. To just slip it in there and say, you know, dear God. Would you please bless this person and their family? Give them peace. Give them patience. Give them comfort. Give them whatever it is they need at this time. May your Holy Spirit fill them. You know, whatever it is that they need, 
to just just go ahead and pause and and write down your prayer because just as the Thessalonians would have been encouraged by this this simple prayer that Paul offers, people will be encouraged by you. You wouldn't believe I've had people message me and thank thank me for praying for him. And and the thing is, is that a lot of those guys that type in prayers, they 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 stop what they're doing, and they pause and they pray. Mm-hmm. But but there's something about writing it down to where it like it feels like it's oh I just saw it right there it happened you know and it makes it real to the to that person so mm-hmm. my encouragement is if you're going to take a second and pause and pray write it down and it'll really encourage that person just like Paul encourages the Thessalonians yeah <clears throat> two things uh, that stuck out to me as well before we finish is wh- you guys probably knew this because you know a lot more about scripture and the Bible in general than I do but I never knew that this was Paul's first letter that they think yeah. is this, his first letter. So that stood out to me and was really cool to see. Um, but the second is um, when he was talking about, where um, when it was talking about him taking taking joy or solace in the fact that they were suffering together separately. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I just thought that was really cool to think about how um, through suffering it brings you together. <laughs> you know what I mean? company. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the thing that I could like best link it to that made sense to me was um if you've ever seen people before like you know if where are you right now somebody's halfway across the world um and they can see the moon and you look at the moon and you're both looking yeah. at the moon at the same time it like connects you and makes you feel that that connection it's kind of same kind of thing like mm. in this analogy the moon is suffering but you're going through this suffering together and um even though you're not in the same place knowing that you're on this journey and you're facing the same kinds of things that really it gave him joy i thought that was really interesting yeah, yeah, I think it's well, Paul. Sorry, no, go ahead. I want to keep interrupting you. Go ahead. No, no, we're so polite. And then, but no, you go. You hang up. No, you hang up. Oh, uh, so uh, are you it, looking at the moon right now? Yeah, I am. Uh, in our in our, in our closet <laughs> with electrical equipment. Uh, so uh, I think one of the things that's really interesting is that Paul talks about like sharing in the sufferings of Jesus and how there's a there's a unity, there's a connection in yeah. that. But there's also like this joy that's in it that 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 we're almost encouraging and enduring. It's it's the opposite of what you would think. Like I think a lot of times when people like you said misery loves company kind of thing, it's more like people just love to complain. And so if there's somebody that's having a bad time they want to complain with somebody else having a bad time and what's crazy is that you know following jesus and when you're when you're recognized that your suffering is actually going to be jesus doing work in you it totally shifts your perspective on Mm -hmm. it and you're able to have some kind of weird joy but that joy (laughs) can be an encouragement to you and to other people Mm -hmm. and that's the that's like that's to me is like just the evidence of like the gospel and its power that can be seen in so many people is the fact that people can find joy in the pain and the suffering. And it's not masochistic at all. It's more just like they, um, that there is some sort of, there's, there's the connection, there's the connection to Christ. And then there's the, what Christ is, the hope and the assurance of what Christ is doing in us through the suffering. Um, and also when you, the cool thing about following Jesus is that when you do it well, or when you do it the way Jesus designed it, you focus on other people more than yourself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's just the way that Jesus, he served others. He's, he, he laid his life down for other people. So focusing on others. And when you focus on other people's suffering and concern and compassion for them, they'll, and they do the same thing for you, it brings that kind of joy and that connection and that love and encouragement. Whereas if you focus on your own misery constantly and your own suffering, you'll find yourself in isolation 
you know, and that's the that's the amazing thing that you see with the body of Christ, even in awful things like suffering. This is deep because pain and suffering is the birth of joy. So most of the time, if it's instant pleasure, it's just a fleeting moment. Mm-hmm. But most things that actually produce something good involve some kind of discomfort, some kind of some kind of pain. And that's how God wrote the universe. I mean, and I've said it before, but uh, if, if you want to see a tree grow, it first starts from a seed falling off of the tree mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and being buried in the ground as if it were dead. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's that there's that discomfort, there's that pain that produces something good. Even with our, our man-made, you know, things, a building is built, you tear up the ground first before you lay a foundation and you build upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, our muscles grow because of micro tears. You know, you work out, you hurt your arm, and your arm comes back stronger and your muscles become bigger. Almost everything that's good comes from some kind of pain. Even our salvation. Our salvation comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's where I mean, that, that's part of that gospel story. There's pain. So as as Paul writes this, and and, and he you know endures pain with others, we can all look back and and, and have our focus on the death of Christ, the pain that he suffered from from us. So that's the reason why we can have hope in the midst of pain because of Jesus. See, the way I look at things, if not for Jesus, if not for the fact that there's eternity and that there's a purpose and there's something better, you know, that that this pain would mean nothing or or maybe it would be just devastating. Mm. But see, with God, we can see that pain produces hope. Pain produces joy. This is not the end of the story. So that's something that when I see Paul talking about you know, pain and how we're suffering together, but yet we have hope. We have hope in Christ. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's so much benefit to fasting, but fasting is denying yourself something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were talking about denying yourself, and it just took me to Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. So it's right there in the instruction booklet for us as believers that that's what we are supposed to do. So let's go ahead and wrap this up, guys. Michael, I wanted to ask you today if you would take a second and verbally type in a prayer for us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what and, a, and go. What, what a segue, right? <laughs> All right, guys. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, um, as odd as it sounds, we, we thank you for the pain because we know that there's something positive that, that happens on at the end, we know that, that it will produce something wonderful that can give us joy. So we thank you for that. And Lord, and we also thank you for prayer. We thank you that Paul demonstrates prayer here and he shows the power of, of prayer. And we thank you that you listen to us, that you're here to you're here to hear us. And and we certainly thank you for that. So Lord, as we go out this week, I ask that you would be with us and, and, and give us peace and patience and comfort uh, as we go and try to affect our world. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Guys, just to give you a heads up, Daniel will not be with us next week, correct, for the podcast? He's going on vacation? Yes. Yes. So please be praying for him and his family as they are traveling and spending time together. So um, Daniel will not be here. So if any of you hear this and you want to be a, a guest with us next week, 
give a, a text or something to Michael or myself, and um, we'll try to get you in here for the recording. We're always telling you guys that if any of you want to come on and here and have a conversation with us, we would love you to do it. Yeah. So if you hear this and you want to, uh, reach out to me or Michael. Um, you can shoot us emails. I am brentss at myelevationcc.org. Michael is? Michael M. The same suffix. Yeah. So um, anyway, and if you don't, we'll find somebody anyway, but we'd love to talk to you guys. We really want to get your guys' perspectives and opinions, and you do not have to be a biblical scholar to come in here and have a conversation with us. I get yeah. that all the time when yeah. I talk to people <laughs> coming to be on here. Well, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm prepared. I don't know if I'm, I'm up to par. It's like, just come sit down and talk to us. Yeah. So anyway, that's what we want this podcast to be, is a conversation that reaches out to you guys, um, that doesn't talk about a bunch of stuff that's over your head um, so that you can understand and uh continue your journey and your growth in your relationship with Jesus. All right. So guys, uh, until next week, go be Jesus, Jesus to each other and, um, help us pray for us that we can speak again. Um, and I can say Jesus and we can say Thessalonians <laughs> and all the issues that we've had today. So, um, otherwise we will talk to you next Tuesday. You guys have a great week and we will see you then.